Oh, good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course. A bit happy uh, this weekend with a decent result for the Crows, or just depending on your perspective. Uh, but uh, let's uh, get right into it and stop messing around, shall we? Afternoon or good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Crowcast Weekend Wrap. Uh, good result for the Crows this week. G'day to everyone who's joined us on Discord and on YouTube. Uh, fair competition tonight uh, with the Olympics and also the tail end of the GWS Essendon game, but uh, I'm sure all our rusted on fans will be in listening live, and I'm sure the rest of you will be listening on demand. Speaking of on demand, we've got two people here who are always on demand. Nikki, how are you going, Nick? I'm going good. I've got the heater, I've got the rug, I've got the Ugg boots on, I've got gloves just in case. <laughs> Mac, how you going? Well, I haven't got all that sort of gear that Nicky's got, but I'm doing well, mate. <laughs> very good, very good. As I said, uh, sorry, go on, Nick. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's what happens when you have a house that has no insulation. Yeah, no, nah, a bit rude i got to say. Um, g'day, as I said, to everyone who's joined us on Discord. Uh, don't forget, we're interactive, so if you've got a bit to say uh, about the weekend's results or anything that uh, Mac and Nikki and I spew forth during the course of the evening, uh, feel free to stick your virtual hand up and we'll get you on and uh, get you or get your... <laughs> I'm just raising the chat. Get your uh, opinions. Um, and, of course, uh, g'day also to those on YouTube. Uh, feel free to chat. We can see all of that everywhere. So, uh, yeah, Nick and Mac, are we happy that we won? Oh. Look, <laughs> <laughs> no, you could have tossed a coin and one side said we lose, the other one said we, it's heads. I would have been happy yeah. with either. You know, it, it was I, – I thought somebody put up a, a thing in Twitter which had two buzzers to press. Yeah. One says, press, we win, uh, but we lose. And the second one is, we lose, but we get bored. Yeah. So, you know, it was it's like that sort of situation. Look, coaching staff, their job is uh, to win, and uh, that's what they did, and – I was trying to get enthusiastic, and <laughs> at stages I did. And at the end of it, I felt, a, should we have done that? You know, yeah. you know that. I was waiting for a last quarter um, fade out, Nikki. Were you? <laughs> I thought it was going to happen because yeah. we have to have a quarter lapse, and we hadn't had a quarter lapse till then, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as I actually said in the game day chat, I would have been okay with a loss. Until we started getting ringed the way we were by the umpires, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Oh, yeah. No, I kind of want to win now, just to stick it up them that they were actively trying very hard for Hawthorne to win. The thing is, though, the coaches, yes, they're going to play to win, and so are the players. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. That's, that's what's going to happen. And that's actually what we want them to do. And yeah. I know there's been a bit of discussion about this whole thing of a winning culture. Um, but I think it does actually help towards that. And we saw that at the end of last year as well with the way they were playing, that they were playing mm. a bit more positive. And that led into the start of this year. And so it does, okay, one win doesn't change everything, but it's the way you're playing. And even if you don't quite get a win, you're still starting to create that winning culture in a way. That's and true. and that's the way and that's the way I was looking at it. And the other thing is they're all going, well, we're guaranteed to get horn if we lost. We're not. Look at freaking Collingwood. They're still in the mix as well to yeah. bloody get down the bottom. Yeah, we could it's, still it's end not, up. There's North Melbourne, there's Hawthorne. Those two sides are actually playing slightly decently. The only thing about Collingwood, Collingwood not so much. The only thing about Collingwood, Nick, you know they're going to go for Dacos with their number one, so Horn's safe. Horn's safe yeah, from Collingwood. So, so he's, he's possibly but still in the... They're, they're kind of out of the equation. Anyway, look, let's push on. Um, now, you know, we've had a we've had a fair um, bunch of uh, fan mail and requests, Macca, for you to actually get some sort of a theme song, I guess. And I had a bit of time on my hands because we're locked <laughs> oh, down and all the rest of it. Here we go. I don't know what's coming next. So why don't we just get straight into I'm a little Macca's beloved weekend's results wrap-up. I thought that'd be about your era, Macca. The worst thing is I couldn't even hear it, mate. Oh, I wasn't coming through to you. Let me, let me, hang on. Let me put it through to you. Are you right. sure you couldn't hear it? No, I couldn't. Honest. Yeah, we we don't get it. Dave Max said he didn't hear anything. PJ says silent. Ninety ninety didn't hear it. How's that? Is that better? <laughs> There you go, Mac. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, I was actually, was... I was actually trying <laughs> to find, um, uh, you know, the old honky tonk stuff from, uh, from, uh, you know, the, the the Western Salon, you know, the the saloon bar honky tonk piano thing, well, but I couldn't. So, I, uh, well, you don't mind Western music, but uh, but no, I'm a real rocker at heart, mate. Real rock. All right, well, we'll get Metallica on next week. Anyway, Mac, No, not get... Metallica. They're the one band I hate. You don't like Metallica? We'll get some Iron Maiden in. No, that, uh, like you know. more like Holy Queen. Oh, that's, um, that's, that's... Come on, mate. No, but I, and yeah, the genuine old rock of the past. There's some brilliant stuff. All right, we'll, get some, we'll get some Stones on or some Led Zeppelin. Is that more your no, style? we've got to go I, Aussie. Go Easy Beats or no, the Renaissance. He just said, I love the Rolling Stones and I love Led Zeppelin. There you go. All right, we'll get some Zeph on. Uh, in the meantime, Maka, why don't we actually uh, hit the scores, shall we? Uh, and on Friday night, we had the power getting up over the Magpies, Port Adelaide 14, 13, 97, to Collingwood 10, 9, 69. I margin there are 28 points. Yeah, pretty comfortable win for Port Adelaide and... Uh, and it should have been that too. When you look at the side that they had, they had most of their good players back. 
uh, Collingwood, uh, they had probably half a dozen young lads in there that are learning the game. Pendlebury got hurt in the first quarter. He started off like a rocket too. He was uh, making him look very dangerous, but he yeah. unfortunately, uh, I think, so he's cracked a, a bone in his leg, which is going to keep him out for the rest of the year. That's him done. Uh, yep. Yeah, but then I've got to say, what madness. Who would have Mason Cox as the medical sub? It was very I mean, strange, wasn't it? Very strange. I mean, it was almost premeditated that they were going to, that they weren't sure about um, the other lad that ended up kicking a few goals. What's his name? Um, Oh, yeah, I know you talk about the, the tall guy down forward. What's his name again? Oh, a mind check. It's almost like yeah. he might have been carrying something. But but it's strange. You don't you don't have somebody about ninety foot tall as your sub. You have a running player because it, you know, so be it. Um, yeah. I thought that was very very strange. But you know, I, I thought overall not a bad effort by Collingwood to get as close as they did. Uh, and. Uh, for them was absolutely outstanding in the back line, absolutely outstanding. But yep. uh, no, court just too good. Yep, and starting to get a few back, so uh, you know they'd like their chances. I don't still, I still don't think they're up to it. Good day to uh, those who have joined us since we started on Discord, including our Tuesday Night Live host, uh, co-host uh, Peter. Good day to Peter. Uh, nice to see yeah. you there. And there you go, where's, Pete. I tell you, where's my bloody mask on? There it is. Right. Uh, next game. David Teague, Carlton 11-11-77, uh, getting uh, thumped by North by 39 points, 18-8-1-1-6. Uh, you'd hate to... I'd just hate to be a Carlton supporter, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, look, it's ever since the paper bag for the money went out. and uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's been done. Yeah, they've been done right from back then. And uh, uh, North Melbourne played very good footy, though, been. I thought... Um, they are a developing side. I mm. wish we were probably going as well as they are at the moment because that, they've got some really nice players in there. I mean, Aaron Hall gave them a run from the back line. Uh, Karen Tor- uh, Thomas is going to be a real star down the track. He and uh, playing both midfield and up forward and kicking a few goals. And uh, boy up forward. And oh, Larkin. Larky or something. Larky, Larky, yeah, Larky. He got, he got seven. And, no, that... They look pretty good. No, I think they've got a future. There's no doubt about that. And uh, then you just go and uh, you go down the other way. Uh, Timpton Tag Walsh, who is the only genuine player I think they have in their team, who gives his gut, who tries his guts out every week. But gee, David Teague, boy, boy, yeah. what do you do? I mean, is it Teague? Is it the team? Is it uh, who pays the price? I, I don't, Considering I don't know. Considering they've had a number of different coaches and this is still the same issue, I would say it's behind the scenes and it's the team. Yeah, but Nicky, they keep bringing in players from other clubs and they're paying them a fortune and, you know, they're still the same. I can't see yep. that it's Teague. Uh, they all love – the players loved him when he came on. Uh, they uh, That was a player-driven appointment, David Teague. They all loved him. And um, if they've gone off him in – that shorter space of time, then uh, there's something wrong with the playing group. I, personally, for mine, there's too much old school um, influence in that club behind the scenes in administration and on the board, and uh, they're never going to get anywhere until they have a massive clean out. Well, they're, um, having, they're having a re- the review, as you know, and it'd be interesting to see what it flushes out yeah, because. It uh, will be. 
well, when we had our review, there wasn't much left afterwards, was there? No, no. Um, one thing I'll uh, say about North Macca is that, yes, they're playing really well. Uh, David Noble's got them playing committed footy and uh, they've got good structures and they've got some good young kids. But to me, North Melbourne is a study of being good enough to get back to being competitive, but they they are still not anywhere near a premiership contending list. And uh, uh, this sort of feeds into the discussion we're going to have a bit later about whether we should have, uh, whether we should be aiming for a, another number one pick or not. Because uh, to me, North Melbourne are going to get good enough to uh, get back to middle of the road, uh, but they're never going to have sufficient cattle to uh, get, you know, to compete for a flag. In my opinion. Well, I'll be interested to see how far they do go because uh, I'll be adding uh, draft picks in as well. But uh, uh, look, I, I, they are playing—they are playing good footy at the moment. You—you you might be right that they—they might—they certainly don't have the cat at the moment to win a flag. But where they develop to, well, time will tell. Yep, time will tell, and plenty of people disagree with me, and that's always a good thing because I usually talk a whole bunch of shit. Um, so, <laughs> uh, the Lions, 17, 18, 120, got up by 49 points in the end after the Suns had a bright start. The Suns, 10, 11, 71. Lions really needed that win, and uh, uh, they kept themselves in touch with the top four as a result. Yeah, well, the sun shone for a half, and then it midnight for them after that, and... They got outscored in the second half by 76 points, which mm-hmm. uh, tells you how well, they, how well they did or didn't go. Big O, uh, McInerney, the, the Ruckman, he just absolutely dominated. And, of course, the ex-Crow Lions, he uh, played very, very well. Um, and Zorko, McCluggage, etc. they had a feast off of him. Um, the one thing I will say that about Gold Coast, I've got a young lad called uh, Shark, who's only played about four or five games, but He's yeah. an outstanding young fella. He's impressed, he's got, hasn't he? Two, two, three weeks in a row now. Oh, he's been outstanding. He's got pace, <clears> and he, he, he just keeps he just keeps going. And he's uh, yeah. good usage of the ball. Uh, and just on the other side of the coin, Rankin is absolute shit. He is playing disgracefully. Yeah. Um, why would we even? Uh, PJ Crows says we should pounce now. Uh, Isaac Rankin. Uh, is either tanking hard to get out of get out of dodge, or he's just been overrated. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Not well, sure. Okay. Well, he has ability because you have a look at his very first AFL game that he played. Everybody was uh, there were streamers and whistles going off how good he was, and uh, he's gradually just playing worse and worse and worse. And is that his environment? Is it his uh, doing it deliberately so that he can get out of there? I don't know, mm. but I tell you what. Oh, he is pathetic at the moment. Not great. The other, the other side to that, though, is that he, as an AFL player, he was a bit of an unknown. So we knew what he had from the SNFL, but now that he's had some exposure to AFL levels, there's a lot more work that goes into him because I understand how he plays and he's a lot easier to possibly stop is another side to that. Don't buy that, Nicky. His first couple of games, he just showed what talent he's got. I just don't see the effort in there at the moment. I agree, Matt. I think it's work rate. It's not talent. It's work rate. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, Eagles getting up by eight points over a gallant St Kilda, 14-10-94. West Coast to St Kilda, 13-8-86. Uh, 
Well, there's no doubt West Coast played better when they play their players sleep in their own bed. They played uh, much better football than they've been playing when they're outside of, of uh, Western Australia. And, uh, you know, there's some of the players that haven't been doing much. Uh, Kelly, for example, he really cracked it. And had, he had a very, very good game. Yep. Um, uh, you know, the Darling, Kennedy up forward, um, Kelly and Gath on the ball, Sheed, um, no, and the only thing I thought St Kilda, they tried very hard, but they were never, ever going to win the game. The one really bright light for them was King up forward kicking six goals. And, you know, wouldn't you love to have one of the King brothers? They're very good. Yeah, they are very good. We've got one of the King brothers. His name's Riley Tilthorpe, just a couple of years exactly. behind. Exactly. Uh, but incidentally, Nat and he was very, very good in the right. Very good. Now, the Bulldogs stand themselves, I think, as flag favourites uh, with a 20-point win over Melbourne, 13-7-85 to uh, th- uh, 9-11-65. There to the Bullies. Yeah, well, they've, they've been my favourite for a long time now. And uh, even when they lost last time to Melbourne by or was it a draw or whatever it was, when there was a kick after the siren. But um, uh, I didn't get to see all the game, obviously, because I was watching uh, us throw away the horn cut and... Uh, uh, but I did I went backwards and forwards, and I did watch a bit of it. Every time I watched it, I was seeing Oliver picking it up and having a, a, a Petrarca, and I thought, yeah. gee, Melbourne's are going well. But then you look at the scoreboard and the dogs, they in turn had, had Bontempelli and McRae, um, let's say Smith. Dogs to me just had a more even contribution than Melbourne, in my opinion. They did, and... Uh, Look, I would have loved to watch the whole game because it was obviously uh, high quality, even in the conditions. Um, I'm with you. I think the Dogs are the team to beat. Uh, they've, they've got one problem, though, though, Mark Bean. Heath did a hamstring, mm. and well, he'll be probably out for at least three with that, I would say. So Heath probably won't play until the finals. But, uh, That's right. He'll freshen up. He'll be fine. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think they, they show that they are the team to beat. I think the Bulldogs' only um, only issue is uh, a team with a bit of height in their forward line. I think uh, yes. a, a team that can get on top of them in the air in the forward 50 uh, could hurt them a bit. But, by gee, they, they've just got goers all across the, the deck and uh, not too many weak links, really. Oh, and we also would be amiss if we didn't mention Waitman's mark over Gordon. Did you see that? Uh, yes, yes, I did. That'd be a big contender for the mark of the year, I thought. Yeah, yeah, not a bad one. Not a bad one. All right, uh, Sydney just continuing to win games 14 14 98 by 40 points over a disappointing Fremantle with a few injury concerns, eight goals, 10 58. Yeah, well, it, you know, it was a bit of a contest for the first quarter, but that's where the contest started, and uh, that's where it finished. Uh, second and third quarters were really was uh, all Sydney. I think they kicked about eight goals in a row, and that, yep. that, that put paid to that. And on top of that, um, had the situation where first it was Fife with his shoulder, and then it was Walters with his hammy. Yeah, um, and they were very very weakened. Um, talking about the uh, the the one downside for the Swans is uh, Buddy. Buddy, uh, he'll get reported once and maybe twice. Yeah. Uh, the first one, well, he lucky gave him a good punch in the back of the head, but um, you can always argue perhaps he's spoiling the ball, but he can't get out of the second one where 
when tackled, he actually had the ball both hands, transferred it to his right hand, and with the left elbow went crap smash into Ryan's face, and that was that'll be marked as uh, deliberate. Oh, so. Intentional, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he, he looked as well to make yeah, sure he could get him in the head. Intentional high and medium, and what do you reckon? Does that give you two games? Uh, yeah, two, two to three, I think, depending on the impact. Yeah, um, so. Yeah. That was a bit of a, that was only the Swans blemish on the game, I thought. Yeah. Uh the Cats uh continuing on and putting pay to Richmond's uh slim finals chances in my opinion. Fifteen five ninety five, the Cats by thirty eight points in the end to Richmond, eight goals nine fifty seven. Uh what are we are we prepared to say I think we did I think we called it last week, but uh we just put a full stop on Richmond's uh um not appearing this September. Uh, they, look, even if they were managed to sneak in, they're not going to win any flag. They're not going to win any flag. There's three teams that are better than them already, and that's even not including Port Adelaide. So they, uh, they tried, they, but Geelong have got too, had too much class, too much quality, got to, got to play the game mostly their way. Uh, the last quarter, it was a bit of a lapse by Geelong with five goals each, but apart from that, it was just all Geelong. And, uh, they had the game won by then. And Dangerfield's right back to form. He's starting to look ominous as well. Yeah, interesting season. This one, Danger has had a, a you know suspension and an injury and that. But like I said, Mackie's coming good at the right end. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think they're one of the three chances. Obviously, Melbourne, maybe, um, the Dogs, and uh, no, not no, not the Swan, uh, Geelong. Those three, I think they're the ones that. One of those three will win the flag. Yeah. As fact. Now, the last game, which is still going, of course, we're uh, 15 minutes into the last quarter and uh, disregard the score I've put up there. But uh, the score at the moment is the Giants 8 10 58 to Essendon 7 9 51, a margin to the Giants at the moment of seven points. And uh, yeah. we'll, keep, we'll keep up with that. The Giants playing for their finals lives. Uh, lose this yeah. one and they're probably consigned to uh, the bottom half of the eight, but win and they stay in it. Uh, Essendon looking to consolidate. Um, too, yeah, hard, too, you, too close to call this one. Yeah, I think you've said enough about that one. We'll see where that one finishes up, mate. Indeed, indeed. Um, so there you go. That's uh, scores around the ground. And Mac is uh, 15 minutes of bloody fame. We won't worry about the ladder just yet because it's incomplete. Um, but uh, what we will say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into it, is that if uh, anyone of the cast of thousands that have now joined us on the live studio audience chat, uh, feel free if you want to stick your hand up and have something to say, uh, go right ahead. And, uh, of course, you can keep chatting in the live show chat room on Discord and also on YouTube uh, as well. Those chats link up. But we've got 369, 12, 14... In the live studio audience, Nikki and Maka, and uh, you'd think one of them would have something of some sort of worth to say, wouldn't you? Ah, uh, there's some pretty good uh, heads out there. Uh, you know, I'd like to see them. At least three of them I can think of that I'd like to see uh, come up and have a, a chat and take the pressure off of us. And poor old Nikki, they're straining away in the background. Now, some people in the live studio audience saying that I'm crackly. Am I still crackly? Yeah, you are a little bit. Yeah, you were a little bit. How am I now? Fine no. now. Better? 
Yep. Yeah, no, fine. All right, fine. beautiful. Okay. All right, so let's have a look at our game, of course, and uh, it was... Oh, why is that music going again? Put that up. Uh, it was the Crows 16 6 102 by 19 points in the end to the Hawks 13 583. A uh, bit of a shootout, a little bit bruise free, um, but uh, nonetheless, an enjoyable game to watch and a pretty even performance by the Crows. Nick? It was. Um, it was quite funny that the some of the players that we thought might not have done so well actually did quite well. Um, there were a couple I think we're all on the same boat about that we were very disappointed in. But overall, um, it was a pretty even performance for all four quarters. Mac, how would you see it? Yeah, I, I thought there were, it was... Uh... We reverted back to the game plan that had worked better for us in, uh, say, going back a few weeks back. We were a lot more handball happy. We were, uh, lot, we were definitely trying to move the ball on a lot quicker. And uh, it, it did catch Hawthorne out many times. Um, I'm not sure what the uh, – and I know you have all the stats. I'm not sure what the forward 50 entries were, but I just thought we seemed to make more out of our forward 50s than they did. And Yeah. Uh, it was, it was because of the speed and with which we brought the ball into the forward line. So that's the way I saw it. Um, we have a few players that didn't go well, but we also had some that uh, stood up and uh, also some that are emerging. So, yeah, it was a, it was a reasonably good game. And to some degree, look a little bit like two uh, sides of the lower part of the ladder. I mean, we really were bringing the ball in closer to the 50 before we were doing an entry in, which is something that we've talked about for quite a while that's been mm. our detriment forwards. And you could actually see with how much closer we were getting, how much deadlier those entries were. Exactly right, Nikki. And, yeah. uh, and the one, one, of the reasons that, one of the reasons why the scoring was reasonably good was for that very reason. Yeah, transition was far better. Um this time around. Uh, let's have a look at the um, lineups first of all. Um, I was surprised that they gave Frampton a run so quickly uh, in defence. Um, of course, Tom Duday coming back in from injury as well. Uh, Rowe omitted and Murray, of course, injured DMAC as the medical sub. Mac, how would you see selection? I was surprised we went as tall as we did. I thought we mm. were very, very tall. And I thought that would probably pay uh, against us, but it didn't. They were actually rotated the tools pretty well, so there weren't that many on the ground at, at the one time. Brampton, uh, uh, I wasn't surprised. I think he had 31 disposals when he, when he dropped back into the sand floor when he had put him in defence. So not totally surprised I gave him a try. Uh Still, I think the jury's still out a little bit. He did some very good things. That another time looked totally lost as if he'd ever played defence, which he hasn't. Um, so very hard to judge him on one game. But uh, he might have a future in defence. Um, he hasn't got one up forward. Nick, how did you see it? Um, it wasn't so much that we were quite tall because it was going to be played at Marvel and the roof was going to be closed. So that's fine. For those conditions, well, plus and we weren't actually that tall. I don't know what Mac no, is we going weren't. on about. 
Yeah, it, it was. We were taking. We took out. Well, we had to take out Murray, so we needed another taller defender because they have a very tall forward line. So to me, Frampton was kind of the obvious one at the moment because Mackesy, we've actually been playing up forward more than down back. Um, Worrell, not quite sure what's going on with him or just whether he's getting a bit tired or whatever. But he's still a bit more of a, even though he's tall, he plays more as a mid defender. Mm. Um, So I didn't see the problem there. It was interesting in the game day chat was a discussion about whether we actually should have had Tilthorpe or DMAC as a sub. I wouldn't have had Riley as a as a medical sub. No, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, either. I didn't. I didn't think so either. But I thought that was very interesting comments that were being made, and it did make me think because you can use him on a wing, you can use him up forward. But Dmac, as much as everybody is a bit kind of annoyed, um, he's that perfect kind of sub because you can put him forward, you can call him back, and you can put him in the midfield. I yeah. think obviously though, Nick, uh, the very fact that they he wasn't because I actually thought same as you that wouldn't be too bad, but they, they you know they obviously just didn't want him to play. They just wanted him to freshen right up before they bring him back in again. It's the only way I can see it. Yeah, uh, I, look, I don't think it's terrible. I think they also wanted to have a look at Elliot Himmelberg for a couple of games, and of course he missed yeah. that game, uh, missed that game with illness. Um, so I think they wanted to have a look at him again before the end of the season. Um, you know, we don't know what Riley's carrying, whether he's just a bit banged up or a bit tired or whatever. I didn't mind the, the that selection. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of a couple of players that are still in there, but that's okay. Uh, Lockie Murphy is entrenched in there. Tom Lynch is entrenched. I just feel like um, we went hell for leather to actually win this game, uh, yeah. playing Lynch and... Uh, you know, uh, putting Frampton in, in instead of maybe trying Mackesy. Um, you know, uh, I just feel like um, it, it was probably our best, or not necessarily best, but our as close to our first choice twenty-two as you could get, pretty much without blooding too many players, and. Uh, I don't know. Philosophically, I've got a problem with it. Um, you're starting to break up a bit again, me. Sorry, um, is that better? No. Why is that happening tonight? That's a bit weird. Yeah, no, yeah, still break. How are we yeah, now? Right. Better? Can you say something else? Better now? Yep, yeah, that was better. Um, yeah, look. I I I will join you in what you said. I I thought we looked like we wanted to win this at all costs, and we made. And that's why we brought in um, the type of players that we did, mm-hmm. um, more experienced type players. And I, you know, we and we did win it, and I think it was because they were very concerned about the culture of the club that they certainly looked like we were a really shit house team, um, and and that reflects badly on the club and sponsors, etc. And I think that's was more of the driving force in this game than anything else, whereas through the year we've been very good with uh, playing players for development and not always every getting it right every week, but at least in principle trying to do that. Um, and it should be a long-term view. Uh, but I, I, I'm with you. I didn't think we got it quite right in terms of our selections. Some of the players surprised me with the games they played, but they still not probably going to be the players for next year. 
Well, you look at it, uh, one or two in the chat have said it's still an inexperienced team, but you name me one experienced player uh, that was available for selection that wasn't selected this week. I don't think you could. Um, the other thing is, too, is that I got a surprise that when Dermot said that the Hawthorne had a more inexperienced side than we did out on the, on the, on the ground. Well, they most definitely did. Most definitely did. Mm-hmm. You know, Matty, Matty Crouch I wouldn't count because he's not fit enough for AFL yet. He's only just come back from his injury. Um, I don't think there was anyone else that was available for selection that uh, that had played over, you know, 100 games or whatever, that uh, or 50 games even, that uh, got a look in. So we had every experienced player available to us in the side. Um, McKay was medical sub, so he was part of the squad. Um, I just don't, I don't understand when you've got an opportunity to um, to set yourself up in terms of a club for the next five years with good draft selections and I know Razor's going to stick his hand up in a moment we'll have a really good chat about it and I'm, I'm happy to take that view that uh, winning culture is a good culture uh, and I think winning culture is is fine when you go on the park the team that goes onto the park should always be trying to win but i think the selectors and the coaching staff and the club uh, can have a strategic view on selection and uh, have a look at the long-term benefits and uh, maybe pick a team that uh, is less well equipped uh, not so much less well equipped to win the game but we had Luke Peddler that could have had a run. We had Riley Thilthorpe that could have had a run. There was one or two others that have been playing well. Cook in the twos, Gallant in the twos. We haven't tried Mackesy down back. We chose Frampton instead. Um, you know, we haven't give, given Worrell another run. We can we persist with Jake Kelly. Um, Haitley's not quite right at the moment, so he's not counted. Uh, Nix reckons he's carrying uh, some uh, groin-related problems, so I wouldn't uh, count Haitley at the moment. So, you know, I mean, on paper, you can't fault the team that was selected based on position or structure or whatever. But was that the right team to put on the park against Hawthorne? I'm not quite sure. Well, I, you know, I, there's two in particular. I thought that Cook, this was a perfect game to bring in Cook. I would have brought him in. Um, and uh, I would also, instead of putting Frampton back, I would have given Moral another game. So... Um, there's, there's, there's at least two that I that disagree with. And, you know, I, I wouldn't need, and you said that Haitley's not fit, so that rules him out. Um, Gallant, I don't know whether that they can play or not. I don't know much about Gallant. Um, well, just need to watch a, a, the last month of SANFL to know that. Well, t- you tell us all about him, Ben, because I, I haven't well, watched we've it. Well, so, we've been saying it for the last six weeks, Macca. Yeah, sorry, what which position they make? He plays forward. He should be in there right. instead of Tommy Lynch. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I, I would have been playing um, the young lads because it's all about development. Um, and the more you play them, the better they get. Um, some of them will show you they're not up to it. Others will show you that they will gradually develop each game you play them. So um, in the position that we, we were coming from, from bottom of the ladder, surely that's what you would do. Yeah, I Nick, what's your thoughts on this? I agree with you that I don't 
don't think Lynch should be in the team. I don't mind Walker so much um, just to have that one single senior player in terms of. Um, Lynch, I do think he is he should be playing more in the seconds to help those players play the AFL method. Um, definitely Lockie, from what he's been putting together um, in the SNFL, he's so, so deserving of a chance. Mm. And and I think he's the, he is that perfect um, replacement for Lynch. What about Cook? Okay. Well, I mean, Cook could... Cook, sorry to cut in. Cook could be a perfect replacement for Ned McHenry at the moment. Yeah, he's he's a he's a bit slighter, so I, I just wonder whether there's a, a, a. Do you know? You can tell that Nick's just absolutely loves McHenry though. Um, so I think he's. I get the feeling that there's a lot of sway that you're getting from from him. Murphy, my problem with him is he's too injury prone at the moment. Um, and McHenry's giving more output than what Murphy is. Um, and I, it was good that they finally actually bloody dropped Rogue. Um, it, it, it needed to happen a couple of weeks ago, unfortunately. And uh, I, I probably would have just brought Galant in, not Cook as yet, maybe. Fair enough, right? but I... But- I think we all agree we wouldn't have played Tom Lynch. No, Lynch, Lynch, and one of McHenry or Murphy for mine in the forward lines should have been out. Um, uh, I also, uh, even though as a kid, uh, Sam Berry looks to be gasping for breath at the moment. Uh, it would have been a good time to maybe play Luke Pedler. Um, yeah. Either Berry or oh, Lockie oh. Scholl. Scholl looks a little bit uh, out of puff as well. Oh, has he? He's got to be injured because he did not want to bend down. He, he's looking ginger. Yeah. Well, he he did not want to go down, and go hard at the ball, which was something that has been his staple since yeah. SNFL days against mature bodies. And even when he came into the AFL, it's why he looked like he just didn't look yeah. out of place at the AFL because he body lined the ball, and yeah. he was doing it again. This time to get to there first, but he didn't want to act- actively really go down low. So, can uh, does he have a hamstring issue or something that uh, he doesn't want to do that full bend down? I reckon he might have some OP. Yeah, because he's not Which got if, any. He's got no um, burst speed at all. Yeah, and I think that I think you're right saying that. I was going and to if that's that the case, if that is the case, if that's what he's got, you rest him. What should he? Because um, playing him is going to make that worse. Yeah. So the only other, so they're two at the two at the front end. I, uh, you know, uh, not unhappy with um, the midfield rotations, uh, given that Sloan played a little bit more forward this week. Although they still started with the uh, trifecta, most centre bounces. Um, but Jake Kelly down back. Oh, Jake had a good game. Um, but what what are we gaining from having Jake there at the moment? I just don't understand. Well, I guess I think I say well, that's a position we don't have to worry about um, because it's got, he's probably going to hold his position. Um, and you know, I think in fairness, he's only twenty-five years of age, so he's not—he's not old. Um, and I thought he played pretty well again. Um, 
No, I'm not against playing, Jake. I, and I know you and I, we, we disagree on this point, but I'm, I'm not an anti-Kelly man. Nick? Um, I like his endeavour. I like the way that he is a, that lockdown defender. I do agree that we have issues with his disposal, but we've always had issues with his disposal. And even though he stuffed him up, it was actually nice to see that he got the ball and he was immediately playing on. Um, that, you know, that's something that we've kind of lamented about the fact with him. I, I do wonder, because we are a bit younger in defence, there as to whether they're even though he is young he's got that more mature experienced head um in a way but mm. yeah um I, I i think possibly why he's still getting games is if anybody had seen the um doco on amazon prime and the standards that he sets. And I, I wonder whether that's possibly where a lot of that comes from as to the reason why he's he's proving he's doing everything that he should do for the team and he's making everybody else be accountable that they have to work just as hard, which is something that you do need. Um and Vardy Magic has just um, pointed something out um, interestingly that um, Tilthorpe actually has pointed out Kelly as one of the two players who've been a great help in his development. So that's kind of that point, I think, that I was trying to make there, that that's possibly why he's in, even though we can see that, yes, he does have limitations because guess what? So do most AFL players. Yeah, um, point, Nicky. And unfortunately we hold players who have a little less skill than some of the top ones to a higher standard, unfortunately. Um, I, I think that needs to be um, considered when people look at players at that level that they're at. And you're, you're right in a way, Fiend, that sometimes you're like, you know, is he going to be part of the next premiership? And he's, he's only 24, 25. No, he might be. We don't know. It's an interesting situation because he is a divisive character in the sense that you either will not love him, but you either think he's okay or because uh, yeah, people do seem to fall into two camps. They either don't want him or they, they're happy to have him in the team. And, uh, you know, I don't know who's right. That's, as I said last week, it's just opinion. It's like half old, everybody's got one. Yeah, but we're paying you big money for your opinion, Mac. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, let's the, then. The last, the last, it's okay. The last check bounced. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh dear. Now we've got uh, Animal uh, wanting to have something to say, so let's bring him in before we get into the head-to-head, shall we? There's your invite, Animal. How you going, mate? Is he going to start drumming? No. Uh, I, I do play the drums. Uh, good oh, choice. Go. Yeah, the Animal. It's uh, hilarious. Um, look, I'm just going to jump on the Kelly train, not because I think Kelly's the greatest player in the world, but I mean, we talk about needing players in that age bracket, and we, we've lost a lot of players in that age bracket, unfortunately, because of culture and stuff like that. But 
unfortunately, you know, these things have happened and it's in the past, but we, we don't you think we need to hold on to players in the Kelly sort of age bracket? That's a very good point. Very good point. You know, I don't know. That's all I sort of was... Uh, I think, I, I think you're 100% right, mate. It's 100% right. And it is a very good point because we don't have very many players um, that are reflecting a bad period of drafting in that particular era or they've left us. So one of the two. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so you're spot on, mate, 100%. But it, I don't know. I, I think he's in our best 22 at, at, at the moment. And if anything, we, we need him in, we need him in because he's, he's in the age bracket and then we play him until... Maybe Maccasy comes on or whoever. Never know. Maybe Frampton turns into a player one day. Um, but at the moment, we can't afford to let someone in that age bracket go, surely. Well, I'm, I'm on your side, mate. I think you're right on the money. But I agree. You know, he's a bit hit and miss sometimes. But I think he showed in the Hawthorne game. He's, he was pretty, pretty handy to have in the back line. I don't think he's played too many bad games this year at all. And no, he has been very, been very consistent this year. Yeah. And my, my one criticism of him, uh, the animal only, is that he mentally seems to be slow to move the ball on at times. And um, yeah. And that, uh, as Nicky said, he was he was a bit better with it this week. And if they could get him to actually get his brain to move it. Uh, like some of the really top line defenders do, like get it, and they've got the vision of the field above. In, you can't, you can't really train good... that. You can't train that, Maka. That's a that's a personal trait. You no, but you can improve it. No, you can't. I think you can turn him into like the old running defender, like we used to have with McLeod in his later days. Yeah, he was good. Jeez. Obviously, you, you know, you're not you're not comparing that, Kelly to McLeod, are you? No, I'm, I'm not. But uh, you can sort of <laughs> the, the style of. Yes, that's the style. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I think part of the problem with Kelly and that, that his hesitancy is actually previous coaches that we had that were very very harsh on any mistakes that were made. And when he actually tried to do something and made a mistake, he got absolutely shitted upon. And so he's over. So he went back to his shell and you're over was overthinking everything to ensure that he wasn't going to make a mistake because he wasn't allowed to make a mistake if he wanted to play AFL. And to me, that's where that hesitancy has come from. Um, And so when we've actually seen him a couple of times this year, which is more than you do, he does go back into that shell every so often um, and that gets highlighted. But I, I think that's possibly where it's come from with him is the previous coaches. Um, so not, not good. Are you saying that it might help if he's, uh, if he had the confidence just to know he was sort of a, ra- relatively cemented in the team as sort yeah. of like a leader and it's going to help the back line sort of to flourish. Yeah. Um, and we've actually so heard that from Nix. Yeah. Nix has actually said that, that he doesn't mind if our players are making if they make a mistake, as long as they're trying to be like that proactive and taking that risk. He doesn't mind that's players good. taking that risk, and that's I think good. that's where we've seen some of the changes happening in our team. And of course, we don't have the skill level of our team. We're going to get turnovers. We're going to get scored against quickly. We've already seen that this year. But mm-hmm. I actually think it's a step forward for our players. I think it's good that they're showing a bit of fight. That's for sure. 
Animal, uh, thanks. I appreciate your thoughts, mate. And right. uh, anyone else who would like to uh, come on board as I shuffle Animal back to the crowd, uh, no. feel free. I think we've got uh, 1990 here. We'll get you on, mate, before we go through some individuals. How are we please, going, please, please, 1990, uh, bring some sanity back into the discussion, please. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit ambivalent to Jake Kelly. I'm sort of done talking about it, to be honest. I think he's he's not going to improve drastically on what he is. Um, he's, he's a good, honest trier. Um, and he, he, he's good for what we are right now. Um, so I think I'm kind of content for him to continue on as he is, but um, I won't be overly disappointed if he gets poached by Collingwood end of season, if that's what the rumour is. And uh, what would you think if he did get poached by Collingwood? What would he bring? Not a heck of a lot, to be honest. Probably a early third-rounder. And I'd rather keep him than have an early third-rounder. Well, very important for the very reason that animal said about the uh, the age bracket. Yeah, uh, not too fast, really. Either way, um, I I think last just just going on last night. Um, I think it was probably the the one time in my entire life I probably walked away from a Crows game after we've won, thinking, oh, not really, <laughs> not really all that excited about that. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Um, I think we played pretty well. Um, consistently throughout the game, I think that probably said a lot more about Hawthorne than it did us. Um, I, I think. Well, you don't re- you don't reckon you don't reckon Clarko did a Clarko. I don't think they intentionally tried to lose, but the team that they picked resulted in them having kids on every line. Yeah. Um, which just made it impossible for them to to truly. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. 1990, that's exactly my point about selection is that we went in top-heavy with uh, games played and experience and Hawthorne went the other way. Yeah. Yeah, look, we, I think that's the problem. I think what, why did we do that? Is we don't gain drastically anything out of this game. By, I, know winning, I know everyone says winning culture and, you know, I'd like, I'd like us to have probably done a lot better than we have this season and won six or seven games and be pushing into next season. But um, that's not the reality. The reality is we're, we're a bottom club um, with a bottom talent list uh, that needs an urgent influx of talent, uh, particularly midfield, um, to, be able, to be able to co- uh, actually compete uh, with, with the top clubs in the next three or four years because I think where we are right now... I, I'm not overly optimistic with our list. I think we've got some some good players. I don't think we've drafted very well over the last three or four years. Um, but I think, yeah, we're, our rebuild's going to take a bit longer than I probably thought at the beginning of this year, and we're probably going to have to... It's probably going to take two or three drafts to, to, to truly get uh, the talent that we need right now. Yeah, I think, uh, so. I, th- I think we're still four years away from it, to be honest with you, mate. Yeah, I think we so. won't make the eight another. It's certainly three years, uh, but most likely four years before we're back in the eight. Yep. Um, yeah. Now, just uh, while we've got a little lull here, Razor, I've uh, noticed that you said you're going to come on at the end. We're not going to have time at the end, mate. So if you want to make your point, this is the time to do it. 1990, 
I'll uh, bid you farewell because uh, Razor's uh, champing at the bit, mate. <laughs> no worries. Right. Our American friend from uh, uh, downtown, wherever the hell it is, Nevada or wherever it was. Get in here, Razor. Nevada. Quite close enough to California to actually really be California, isn't he? I don't know. Not coming on though. Hurry up, mate. Here he is. How are you, Rose? Hi, guys. How you doing? Yeah, Rose. Just uh, Nikki was just uh, pondering where you, where you, you are actually are at this moment in America. I'm in Western about here, uh, near Reno, right, Tahoe. Yeah, Lake Tahoe. That's near California. We don't care about the that. Water, Come it? on, Rose. Fire up. Tell me what you want to tell me. Oh, my me. gosh. I can, I can barely hear you guys. It's a horrible connection. <laughs> you just speak, mate. How's that sound? Yeah, you're coming through fine. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, no, I, I was just... Uh, it drives me nuts with people playing for the number one pick, which is not going to help us. Well, it'll help us. But that's not the problem with the club. So, what is the problem right. with the club? And I think it's a culture, uh, how we coach our young guys, and whether we're blooding them enough. Selection. We reward players for loyalty, and we don't play the best available all the time. We played the best available this week. Yeah, this week. Yeah, but you know, we'll give a we'll give a reward game to someone that probably less than so. So you've been big on winning culture and the fact that um, you know uh, inverted commas tanking for a number one draft pick, uh, particularly in the knowledge of who's available this year, uh, is counter to uh, forming a winning culture. And on the surface, I don't think anyone would disagree with you that planning not to win every game, Ray, is uh, is not part of a winning culture. But you've got to understand how the AFL system works. And every team that has come up and been uh, a contender and been in the premiership window for a series of for a series of years has gone through the same process of bottoming, bottoming out to get talent. It's unfortunate, but that's the way the AFL system works, mate. I understand that. I'm just saying that with the game as where it is now, I think you could take any of the top eight or ten draftees and make them part of a winning culture. So it doesn't have to be the number one. But but you've got in in those ten players, you've got probably four or five different types of player within that ten players that, that are going to go top ten, and the thing is that uh, and the thing is that the bloke who suits our need more than anybody else in that group is the bloke that's going to happen to go first, and that would be Horn. That's right. Right. 
and there's no guarantee that he's going to live up to the expectations. So it's well, still, but there's no guarantee with there's no guarantee with right. any of them. But the thing is right. that Jason Horn is actually the type of player in terms of the position that he plays that we need. We need outside classy midfielders, and he is one. So, no, I if, agree with you. I agree with you there, but the, if the we, club has a history of of playing players out of position or not playing them, and they yeah, they do weird stuff. But that's there. that's a separate conversation, though, Ray. That's that's sure, you, sure. You, you can't say, "Oh, let's not bother getting number one because the club's just going to stuff them up anyway." No, I think I think the okay. point that Ray Ray was making was that there. There's other issues that are still quite glaring in the club, and a couple of the points he's made, I actually you agree with him here because our, one of our big issues is the development of the younger players. So even if we had Jason Horn, are we going to be guaranteed that we're going to develop him to the best of his ability to actually help us? Because we're still bloody persisting and playing Lad Sloan and Case, and we want to put Matt Crouch back in there. The, the slowest fucking midfield in the AFL. I'm sorry, but I love Lady and I love Keezy, but the other two can bugger off as far as I'm concerned. We need to put – Perry should have been in there earlier in the year for longer time periods. Pedler needs to be given a chance in there. Um, we've – Schoenberg, we, we're using him in bits and pieces, but we're not using him enough. But every time he is in there, my God, does he make a hell of a difference. And that's where – I've got some of the problem of the the rhetoric that is around the, oh, my God, if we get home, we're going to fix everything. It's like, no, we might actually stuff that bloody kid up because that's what we've done with other midfielders. Yeah, but um, none, of, none of that, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with any of that, Nick. Uh, you know, we're well documented yeah. on this podcast for, for being critical of how the club has treated younger players and, you know, we've... We've uh, been on the front foot when it comes to wanting change at the club, absolutely. But none of that is an excuse for not identifying the talent that you want in the draft or that we need in the draft. The la- put it this way, the last thing we need is another halfback flanker. The, the last thing we need is another one-paced um, inside midfielder. We need outside class. Now, there's a couple there. There's Jason Horn. there's um, Matty Roberts, uh, there's even Arlo Draper, for example. There's a couple in the uh, in the mix from other states, um, but from what we've seen of of Horn, he is probably um, the best fit for the type of player that we need. And with you know what we do after we pick out our players is another story entirely. But you don't say, oh well, we're shit at development, so let's just not take top ten players. Oh, no, no, no. I don't disagree with that at all. But I think a lot of the rhetoric that we've seen around this whole idea of a winning culture um, is more focused on we just need to get him instead of looking at what Ray was actually espousing there, which was about fixing up the rest of the issues that we've got in the club. Um, And I completely and utterly agree with that. Um, because we still have issues, we're still going to be down the bottom ladder. But the other converse part of your point, Fane, is that, yes, they've bottomed out, but probably out of those that have bottomed out, how long did some of them take to rise back up again? 
as opposed to others that are still kind of sitting around the middle of the road? And was that part of them that even though they did bottom out, they tanked to get those draft picks, but they still created a winning culture, which you can do even without the winning. Um, It's a bit harder, but you can create some positivity around it. And I think that's where those clubs that have had the quicker rise, a la the Hawthorne, et cetera, that's how it was done. Or else you end up with taking Melbourne how long after they bottomed out as compared to how long it took Hawthorne. Well, and West Coast made it a made it a um, an art form. They would win a flag and then bottom out the next year and then bounce back up yeah. the top the year after. I, I think the, the the problem is I don't think a lot of people realise how absolutely shit our list is. But I think people still overrate our list. I mean, we're talking about we we just had a five minute discussion about the value of Jake Kelly. And then the, the key question was, well, if he went to Collingwood, what do you think we'd get with him? Oh, maybe a third rounder. That's, that's, that's not a good player. That's not a good player getting a third rounder for, for a guy. So we consistently overrate our squad. And we've consistent. The, the thing that got us into this mess in the first place is that we overrated our players, particularly after the 2017 grand final um, and people forget in 2017 we had a dream fixture um, and yes we had a great September no question about that at all until until uh, the pointy end but we had a pretty good fixture to get there and there were a lot of blokes that were tailing off and we've been talking about certain players in our team for years and years uh, that have never reached a consistent high level. Like Brody Smith, for example, is a classic, where he was an All-Australian back when, Mac, 2013? Yeah, it's a long time ago. 2013, so that's eight years ago. He was, he was a, you know, seven or eight years ago, he was, a, he was an All-Australian. Now, he was relatively young when he got that, but where has Brody Smith been since... He's been inconsistent. Yes, he got he got his knee injury and all the rest of it. I understand all of that, but uh, he has not maintained it the level. You know, we've got David McKay, who is probably in the top five of most average two hundred and fifty game players of all time. You know, we've got Tom Lynch, who is well beyond his best, and yes, he's serviceable, but he's well beyond his best. I mean. We consistently overrate our squad, and I think people underestimate the fact that our squad is in a terrible state, terrible state, and results mean absolutely nothing right now. We need to rejuvenate, our, replenish our list. And yes, we've got a big gap between our 30-year-olds and our 22-year-olds, but the fact is we're starting so far back that... We don't need those twenty-four-year-olds really, because then they're not going to—they're not going to be part of the next premiership till either. That's I'm, my opinion. I am a little—I'm a little scared about what Ogilvy's going to do, because yes, he's pulled some some really nice rabbits out of the hat, um, but I his idea of a midfielder I don't like at all, at all. Well, I, I don't know what his idea of a midfielder is, but all I can say is um, we uh, we speak as we look and we can see the one thing we have never had for many, many years is a speedy midfielder who can break from the centre. 
And yet, you know, we, when we had uh, when we picked Mackesy, why the hell would we pick Mackesy? Why would we pick a, a midfielder that's got absolute it, pace? It was I mean, yeah. stupidity. Now, uh, Rays, have you got anything else you want to say to that? Well, I agree with most of that. It's like it's a culture, though. It's like I think part of our problem is is selection, and we have too many old guys on the list that we should be dropping and blood and young players, and because it's going to be a rebuild, we all knew that. So, yeah, I think a lot of people didn't understand exactly to what degree, race. No, I get it. I'm just they, yeah. They thought it was going to be a a quicker bounce couple back. Couple years, and yeah. Right. Well, it's it's short sighted. Horn's short sighted. We need to. So, winning culture is the sum of all parts working to the best of their ability. I'm not faulting the players. I'm faulting coaching, selection, how we're drafting. I mean, we have a bag full of mids that we don't need. So that's why. Trying to get into the winning culture, playing to win every game. No, no player wants to go to a club that wants to that's trying to lose, or they want to go to a club that has heart and fight and wants to win every game. And they're picking the best players. They want to play with the best. But that that's when you're recruiting for for filling gaps, which is what Geelong have been doing for the last few years very successfully. Geelong built a squad on the back of uh, some good father sons and some good uh, draft selections. But since then, they have been topping up with um, role players. And the reason why those role players want to go there, Ray, you're 100% right, is because Geelong have built a winning culture. But what they did before they built that winning culture is they built a squad. And a winning culture is no use to anyone unless unless you have the cattle. And at the moment, we don't have the cattle. And our senior players well, we're, we're aren't the cattle. Well, I seriously doubt if we're building a squad. Well, of course we're, we're building a squad. Well, why is Lynch playing? Lynch shouldn't even be in there. He should be in the twos, make him a player coach. Well, that's true. Uh, we're agreed on all of that you sort know. of stuff. But, but you know, going siege, to... Siege guys, we met. But this is what I mean about dropping down to get a bloke like Jason Horn. That's what building a squad is all about. I agree with you partially there, but the focus should not be on Horn. Why not? Well, because we have a development problem with the ones we get, the ones we have. So we don't recruit someone because, because our development's no good? Oh, we recruit who's available. Available. That's available. But what's the point if we're not developing them properly? Well, yeah, and but they're two they, separate, they're they, two they, separate they work, things, though. They work hand in hand. Yeah, but they're two separate need- issues. You don't, you don't say, oh, we'll, we'll settle for pick three because we're not going to develop them well anyway. Well, I disagree on two separate. It's, it's one issue. You get uh, a player and you have to, you have to develop them. No, yeah, it doesn't but, matter who you get if you don't develop. Yeah, but no, nobody's disagreeing with you, Ray. But what I'm saying is that you don't discard an opportunity to get pick one just because your development might be suspect. Yeah, no, two, two different I issues. I, I'm not discarding no, no. Horn. I'm saying he should not be the total focus. Yeah, no. but one is, one, is, one is selection and the other one is development. And they're totally different. 
and you know because um, if you select all duds, you can develop for as much as you like, and you get nowhere. What I'm exactly. saying is, right. try and get the very, very best, and then you've got a chance of developing a champion. Exactly. Anyway, Ray, we, we got get good players, and we don't. Okay. <laughs> we got we got we got Mick waiting as well. It's always great to hear from you, mate, and uh, your support of the cast is legendary. So we appreciate all of that. I'll shuffle Thanks you. Thanks for having mate. me on. You guys have a great evening. Thank no you. No worries, mate. Stay safe. Stay safe, mate. And we'll bring Mick on. Well, this is this is the uh, Mick. You've got the, the green light there. If you just want to accept that invitation. Um, it's been quite good. It's a very interesting discussion, this one, and that's I was keen to have it tonight, given the the result that we had on the weekend, because it's um, it might drag us on a little bit further, but uh, no one really cares about the stats. <laughs> this, this is more this is more uh, interesting. Mick, how are you going, yeah, mate? Yeah, I'm here now. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you, yep. mate. How are you going? Yeah, good. Didn't know where you'd have me. I'm out in the middle. Yeah, no cut, cutting in and out a bit where? there, mate. Uh, um, just on your, your point. Of, oh, you're really, you're really yeah. cutting in and out there, yeah. mate. Is it really? That bigger difference between him and Matt Roberts. Well, got uh, the, uh, I got to try another time. I'm a long way from anywhere. Oh, and he's well, dropped I'm... out completely. But the question was: Is there that big of a difference between Jason Horn and Matty Roberts? Yes. What's your opinion, Mac? Well, I, I would say that I'm, I'm not qualified enough to really to say it, but just I'll give my opinion anyhow, because I always do. Um, Horn is a, a generational player. Um, Roberts will, could be a very, very good player, and he actually might might be as good. But uh, he Horn, Horn, Horn looks better, and he looks like he'll be the one. But... Um, Roberts, if you had got Roberts, you'd be probably very happy and you'd have a good player in your hand. But, uh, you know, you'd rather have Horn. But uh, that, uh, that's not going to be in the equation, I don't think. Well, I think Horn has more weapons. Um, he's um, fiercely competitive. Uh, he can get his own ball. He can get it on the outside. He also plays very tall. Um, and I think... Whereas Matt Roberts is very good at what Matt Roberts does in that he's a very good midfielder, um, has got a beautiful kick on him and will have, no doubt, a very good AFL career. Uh, If you're talking about wanting a midfielder that can give you some X factor, um, then Jason Horn at this early stage, and and Ray's correct, you know, there's no guarantees, but there's no guarantees on any of the the young lads um, that we pick up you know, so I mean, that's that's just a given with with drafting. Um, but we've got a lad who's playing first eighteens for South and and holding his own very well, um, and uh, has lots of strings to his bow. And um, you know, I'd rather have him than not. 
Yeah, you know, drafting is always uh, not that scientific in the sense that I remember going back to the year, for example, when uh, Nick Rewalt and Kukichki for St Kilda had had uh, who was going to be number one, who was going to be number two, because um, they were regarded as pretty well equal. Well, yeah. as it turned out, they were far from equal. You know, Rewalt just went on to be a, a champion, and Kukichki, I know he had some, uh, I think it was concussion problems, etc but was never going to be in the same league. So it's an interesting thing that, you know, um, they can look like they're going to be the ant pants and they can might just develop into an ant, you know, so who knows? Oh, well, both the uh, both the Edwards boys were like that. Two years out from their draft year, they looked like they could be anything and they both were touted um, as uh, first-round draft picks and both of them... Um, you know, uh, Jackson didn't even get drafted in the end, and uh, or Jackson got one year with us, uh, and Luke got picked up late by West Coast and is kind of fringe at the moment. Yep. Um, you know, he, he may make it. He, he looks a bit one pace to me, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, look, there are other good players. Arlo Draper is an interesting one for me. I, I really like him. Um, and he is one that is probably coming back from a little bit further back, hasn't got the runs on the board that someone like a Jason Horn has. But I just I just feel like he's got something about him as well. So, um, you know, look, anyway, it, it it's all conjecture. I understand everyone's point of view, and um, I certainly appreciate that when the team comes on the park, we want them to win. Um, I just don't think at times that the club has been, not only this year but in previous years, has been terribly strategic. And I do agree with you, Nicky, uh, that Hamish has got his nuts on the table this year because um, there's there's a bit of South, South Australian talent on offer. We have some specific needs and uh, he's got to get this one right. Yeah, and he needs to pick speed, speed and skill. That's yeah. what we need, purely and simply, and not a tweener. <laughs> Absolutely. I and love Shoal. I love Hamill. I love Gallant because they actually have those things. And Cook, but they're all tweeners. Well, yeah, but not Schoen- Schoenberg. Uh, he, he's got what you're looking for, Nikki. Yeah. Oh, God, enough. yes. But we need we need some other outside class around him. Yeah, no, I, think... I understand. But he he can play outside as well. He's a yeah. very smart footballer. Yeah, I, I don't think enough has been made of the potential impact of the Moneyball man that we've had alongside Hamish for the last few years in uh, Banook. Nook. Uh, yeah. We've gone very hard on stats and statistical evidence and and uh, looking at projections and and all that sort of stuff and I think sometimes it seems to me like sometimes we've looked too hard at the numbers and not actually at the sniff test at the eye test I mean I I think numbers are great to identify potential talent um, but you've got to go out and watch someone like um, you know there are some players that just develop, develop physically earlier than others and so they'll rack up big numbers at under 16 and under 17 level just because of their sheer physical size but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to translate to AFL I think Darcy Fogarty is a bit of that uh, where he was a bit of a man child and and it's taken a while for him to um, 
to you know even get close to to looking like it at AFL level because he got it so easy as a youngster. So I, I wonder whether we've erred too much into statistical analysis and not actually enough on good football pl- uh, uh, talent identifiers like Alan Stewart used to be to go out and watch these kids and be able to spot weaknesses or strengths or you know little glimpses of something that you can that are evidence of a future um and whether we've just been too hard asked on the numbers uh, interesting with Banook, um they were going to do it last year we started to do it but then um lovely pandemic happened but they're actually teaching him to be a recruiter like the others to actually go out and watch and not just look at the stats um so that was i think they had identified that, that whilst he had that great knowledge, he also needed to round it out. I think with that's ridiculous. The eye test. I think that's ridiculous. I do too. Has Banook ever get, played a decent game of footy in his life? Have I? Well, well yes, you're you not have. a buddy. <laughs> yes, you have, well, well, you, you I have. footy, but not a decent game. Nobody watches it ever says you didn't. Banook spends as much time looking at NBA stats as he does bloody AFL. And I, I have no problem with using data. You know that I, I like trotting out stats and all the rest of it. But by the same token, I think you've got your data guy, but then you've got your talent spotters. And, you know, your data guy can maybe pinpoint diamonds in the rough or people that are up, kids that are up and coming and all the rest of it and say, hey, look recruiter in Western Australia, go and watch this kid. Or, hey, look, you know, bloke in Queensland, go and watch this kid. Turning Banook into a, a talent spotter uh, just seems particularly counterintuitive to me. No, I think what they were doing was um, so that he understood what the recruiters were looking at so he could actually understand that better. Yeah. Warwick on the chat, um, I'm not playing the Channel 7 commentator card at all. Uh, but I don't know... <laughs> I don't know whether someone who has not played football um, can necessarily spot... It's a bit like um, the argument about umpires that have never played football not having a feel for the game. Uh, we're seeing that this year. Yeah, and that's, the, that's I guess, the... Um, the the uh, um, the analogy uh, with someone like Banook, uh, yes, you can teach him. You know, he, he's a good kick, or he's, he can take the mark at the highest point, or whatever. But that's like saying you can teach umpires to rule uh, the rules, but you can't teach them how to implement the rules. I think you can teach Banook what to spot, but you can't teach him the feel of the game, in my opinion. No, I, I think you're quite right, Fane. I think, you know, uh, the guys that go and watch the games that uh, have real intuition about what they're looking for, um, mm. you know, not, not statistics, but looking at how, that, how he got those positions. And, you know, w- when you've got to translate that further into when they go against bigger bodies and how they're going to develop their own body, et cetera, all those type of things. Even, it, it, even when they get their stats, Mac. You know, yeah. does a guy get, does, and how? Yeah, yeah. yeah does it, a guy so get nice. his stats in junk time when the game's over? Like DMAC last week got like five or six touches in junk time when the game was over last week. You know, uh, you know, does he does he win his own ball in contested situations? Like all sorts of things. You've got to actually go and have a look. 
Yeah, and, and, and particularly also that when you're looking at and what I do when I go to watch our SNFL team and look at the, the players and it's the way that they play to a structure mm. I see from what we want in our AFL team, which may not necessarily mean they have a good game in the SNFL, but you're also looking at particularly like with, with Butts or with Duday playing down back and they're playing some, some absolutely monsters in the SANFL who are very highly experienced. It's like, okay, so what are they doing? How are they anticipating? They might get five or six goals kicked on them, but there was enough there that I could see that there was an AFL player. But somebody else goes along, well, they'll just look at it and go, well, he got six goals kicked on him. He's got to be shit. Um, so it's also within the context of the team they've got around them. And like you said, Fiend, the problem with our SANFL team is the top-up players. When they get tired, our structure falls apart. Mm. Um, so it's understanding those type of concepts, and I think you, you're spot on there, that that's yeah. what it's got to be. It's it's the sniff test. The sniff test. Does it and, smell right? And a classic example of that was uh, Rendell picking Dangerfield at pick 10. Yeah. Uh, where a lot of lot of people, uh, a lot of recruiters steered away from him because he was a bit one-dimensional and didn't have a great kick and all the rest of it. And Rendell was able to spot, Rendell was able to spot the fact that he was just an absolute ball. And, uh, you know, we got a beauty and, and unfortunately we weren't able to keep him. But, you know, I, I maintain that you have to, you have to under, not necessarily have played the game, but, have, but to have followed the game for long enough to have understood what's important. And I don't think a guy like Banuk, uh, who's only really been involved in the AFL system since uh, he came on board with us, I believe... Um, I don't think a bloke who's been exposed to the sport for four or five years really has that level of understanding. I think most people on, on the chat would have a better understanding or a better, a, a better chance of spotting a future AFL player than uh, a data, data analyst who has come up uh, analysing NBA um, and who's only been involved with the sport for three or four years. In my, that's my opinion. No, I agree with you, Fiend. But uh, anyhow, all right. Let's move. Let's let's move on to um, greener pastures, shall we? Uh, what was are we was there a game? There was a game. We were talking about it at one stage. <laughs> uh, let's get back into it, shall we? Um, right. So. Uh, let's have a look at some head to heads, if you remember, and let's just have a quick look at the. Um, Giants Essendon game. The the Giants got up nine twelve sixty six to Essendon seven eleven fifty three, so uh, that keeps them in the hunt. The Giants actually puts them back into the eight at the expense of Essendon. Essendon two points out of the eight, but with better percentage. So there's a lot still to play for there, and probably keeps Richmond in the hunt too. Um, interesting answer though, Fang. About four weeks ago, we said that. The final eight was absolutely settled. <laughs> and yeah. since then it's been so unsettled, it's not funny. Yeah, those last two spots, um, West Coast coming back to the pack. It, you know, there's only there's three, four teams on 32 points out of the eight um, by two points, so it's not over yet by a long shot. Anyway, let's go back to our game. So, um, all right, so disposals, uh, 353 to 372, pretty even. 234 to 199 kicks, 119 to 173 handballs. So Hawthorne certainly brought a handball game with them. 
Um, inside 50 is 48 to 59 in, in uh, Hawthorne's favour. Um, our efficiency inside 50, though, um, Hawthorne had a game like we had a couple of weeks ago where they uh, didn't do much with the ball once they had it inside. Uh, 22 shots from 59 inside 50s. We had 28 shots from 48 inside 50s, so that's far more efficient. And, Nikki, you're 100% right what you said um, earlier on in the cast, that it was the way we moved the ball into our forward line um, that gave us more more sniffs at it. Free kicks were even, although, again, it's not the frees you get, it's the ones you bloody miss out on half the time. And uh, Yeah, hello, hello, two goals to them in the first quarter that should have been frees to us. Yeah, it wasn't great. Around stoppage... Um, O'Brien got touched up by Big Boy and uh, the other lad, uh, 45 to 29. Clearances, we lost 32 to 40. Um, it was even around. Uh, we don't usually lose stoppage clearances like that, uh, but Mitchell and O'Meara and um, Warple are a pretty good combination. And uh, despite all that experience in the midfield, they got torched around stoppage. Um, so we didn't win yeah. around stoppage. No, uh, the big the big fella. He had very very long arms. though. Brian never coped for those guys who were really tall and with long arms. And uh, he was he was giving their their the three that you just mentioned. He was giving them first crack at it. He was directing it pretty well. Yeah, I actually think Himmelberg did better in the ruck than O'Brien. O'Brien was very good around the ground. I thought. Um, you agree? But yeah. I, but I thought Himmelberg in the actual ruck contest um, was was quite good. Um, contested posies was reasonably even, 137-145. Uncontested, uh, similar, 210 to 222. Turnovers weren't a factor, 70 to 72 each way. Um, marks, we took more marks, obviously, because we kicked the ball more, 117 to 78. Marks inside 50, though, was a key. Uh, that's where we've been down for quite some time, but we took 15 marks to 7 inside 50 uh, which was really good contested marks 19 to 14 which was also good um so you know just a couple of, it just showed um the difference in the two styles hawthorne were trying to run through our defensive setup we were trying to chip through with kicks which is quite a turnaround isn't it really from days gone by because it's usually the other way around with hawthorne yep they we normally the ones just bombing it to the opposition. Exactly. Um, defensively, uh, 49 tackles to 66. I did see a lot of broken tackles from us. Um, yeah, the, the only ones that weren't kind of broken was when we weren't actually tackling the body but grabbing the arm instead yeah. um, to not allow them to dispose. Or the, We knew they weren't, we weren't quite close enough, but the arm came back so we could grab it and, you know, and actually retard them back. But... Oh, our tackling this year has been deplorable. I'm going to deplorable. put something to you, uh, Nikki and Macca. Are we seeing the uh, result of a couple of years of just taking the foot off the pedal in terms of uh, building bodies simply because of all the soft tissue injuries that we had? Is, is this the, the outcome of Matt Haas and Brett Burton mishandling our, our fitness program for the previous two or three years? Are we kind of in management mode trying to uh you know get back on an even keel well with the exception of uh Fogarty, um most of the players are a bit leaner than they used to be um, yeah Fogarty's always been a big boy anyway yep um and he could he certainly could do with the uh, you know a few kilos off but 
I mean, I think, yeah, players are different. I think most teams' players are uh, a little bit leaner than they used to be. But we've looked lighter than our opposition just about every week, Mac. Yeah, well, you, you may well be right. Uh, we certainly do have some skinny ones. Yeah, we do. But I, um, I, I think you're right because for a number of the times those tackles, those broken tackles, we actually made it to the body and we started the the tackle correctly, but they were just too easily broken. Yeah, and um, it didn't look like technique, Nikki, did it? No, technique actually didn't look too bad. Um, mm. For some of them, you could understand the, the way they were running through with the force. Mm. That Yes, it, it, I think for most other teams, they were likely to result in a broken tackle unless you literally you had Fogarty standing directly in front of them and they couldn't go around him. Um, but you would still expect a little bit more of effect on the kick or yeah. the disposal. And, and the problem is our happening. bigger players are slow. Our blokes like Tex and Lynch and... Darcy and uh, Himmelberg and those boats, they're relatively slow, so they're not going to lay too many tackles. We only had five tackles inside the inside 50 again. Uh, it's very low. Hawthorne had 12. Um, so they're the head-to-heads. Uh, not a huge amount to take out of that, I don't think. Um, two different style of plays uh, in trying to attack. Um, I think we were more content to sit back and, and chip around until we broke Hawthorne's defence Pardon me, open, but we were far more aggressive with our kicks this week than we have been in previous weeks, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, and I, and I, you know, I think uh, that was the whole game plan was to take the game on. You know, and, and you can see that right in the word go with that there was a lot of handball running and and uh, right, and instead of bombing, trying to find a player and didn't always come off, but uh, I think they were trying to be much more decisive than in the past. No doubt about that. Because there were, and there were some actually some nice bits of play as well, which was resulted in goals. But um, being not a little bit bereft of talent, of course, sometimes you try and do things you're not capable of. Very true. Mac, let's have a look at some individual stats, shall we? Uh, let me see here. Oh, that's not happening. Let's do it this way. Alrighty. Uh, so Rory Laird again, 36 disposals. I thought he was a little bit more effective than usual this week. 22 kicks, 14 handballs, 6 marks, 5 tackles, uh, 20 contested possessions, 75% disposal efficiency. Um, uh, kicked a couple of goals too, which is always good from your midfielders. Very handy. Um, spent his time both forward and back uh, in terms of his possessions, which was good. Um what else have we got here? Six intercept possessions. Uh, ten score involvements, which is up on his usual count, um, which shows he was just being a little bit more forward with his disposals, uh, potentially. Um, 26 pressure acts, 518 metres gained is almost unheard of for he was uh, just- Rory Laird. So I think, you know, even though we're used to Rory Laird racking up numbers, in my opinion, he was more effective this week. Yep, BOG by a mile. Yeah, I, I thought he had, I thought he had an absolute um, ripper of a game. Uh, it was quite funny because I still left the Fox Talk coverage on, which was very Hawthorne centric, so it was quite hilarious. Um, 
and Dermot kept going on and on about, they need to put a tagger on him. They need to put a tagger on him. He's getting all these possessions. I'm like, you can put a tagger on him. He's still going to get those possessions. But I think it they did actually have a tagger on him. But he was still getting such really good quality possessions and those metres gain is very unusual for him. There weren't too many high up in the air kicks. There were a couple, but they were under pressure, so that's fine. And the other thing I liked was when he kicked the goal, oh, did he get no mirrors face? So did the rest of the team. Um, so I, I think there was uh, there was some, I think some nice little argy going off the ball. And just to see him fire up like that and the quality possessions was very pleasing to see. Yeah, there was a bit going on with O'Meara, wasn't there, during the course of the match? Yeah. yeah. I, I have no idea what it's about, but you're quite right. There was a, a lot of uh, talk going back with him forward and not, not little friendly chat. No, it was quite interesting, actually. I was surprised to see that, to be honest with you. Anyway, let's move yeah. on. For Le- so, for Lady to react to that. Yeah, so uh, Seedsman, 25 disposals, 17 kicks, 8 handballs, 8 marks, uh, 1 tackle. Uh, only went at 53% dis- uh, disposal efficiency. Played very much behind the ball and across the wing. A little bit deeper than we're used to seeing, actually, from Seed. Um, yeah. Only the six contested positions. I think he played more defensively, yeah. It looked that way. It looked like we actually um, swapped Brody and his roles a bit, Macca. Um, Just about. But it was interesting. I felt like we had less of the um, less of the Seedsman long bombs, and as a result, his disposal efficiency went right down. Yep. Uh, but he was clearing a lot of the balls he was clearing from the back line, so... Uh, whereas he's generally been uh, on the wing, running into the forward line, and then then kicking long from there. Uh, yeah, I just thought um, oh, he's got. Oh, I was quite happy with his game, but uh, you're quite right. His disposal wasn't a hundred percent. Well, what I'm what I'm suggesting is that um, because he was actually trying to lower his eyes, Mac, he was actually uh, his disposal efficiency reduced. Because the whole measure of disposal efficiency is uh, is a bit skewed. Oh, yes, I agree with that. Um, just trying to yeah, at, at the during the game, I mean, we were pretty skating on him. But now that you pointed out, because one of the things we did like was Smith either playing up half forward or seemed to be up higher. So I preferred that. Yeah, sorry, I'm just trying to fix this screen. There we go. That's better. Um, now we can actually see what we're doing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I He's just going to always get... I'm not going to go on about what I think about his work because we all know. Um, I didn't think it was a terrible game. I didn't think it was a great game. I think it was just a game. 388 metres gained. I think highlights what you were saying, Macker, about him playing a little bit more defensively. Um, yep. And he was also trying to spot up targets um, to the detriment. Three inside 50s, four rebound 50s. Um, so, you know, not a terrible game by any stretch, but uh, probably not uh, one of his better. Harry, on the other hand. Oh, Harry. Uh, 24 dis- Who? 
Schomburg, there's only one Harry in the team. 24 disposals, 14 kicks, 10 handballs, 5 marks, 6 tackles. Uh, also played uh, behind the ball a little bit uh, in terms of where he was positioning himself. 71% disp- uh, disposal efficiency, uh, 8 contested possessions, um, turned it over a little bit 6 times. Uh, 8 score involvements though, um, which is good. 29 pressure acts, 318 metres gained. Uh, attended 23 centre bounces, which was excellent, um, and got one clearance, although he was probably integral in a couple of others, in my opinion. Six tackles as well, six rebound 50s. Um, I, again, he just continues to show promise, doesn't he? Oh, I think he's an outstanding player in the making. I, I just think he is one player, you know, they were talking about development before. Well, if you look at when from when Harry... Uh, first came into the club and to where Harry is now, he is developing at a rapid rate and he's going to be a very, very good player for us. Very good player for long term. Yeah, just thought it was a really good game. Uh, Benny Keyes, probably a little bit quieter. I, I felt like they actually ran with Ben Keyes a little bit. 23 disposals, 15 kicks, 8 handballs, uh, 7 tackles, 6 marks. Um, uh, uh, was also having a few pings at goal, which was good to see, um, I thought. Uh, eight contested possessions, 13 uncontested possessions, nine turnovers, uh, which is his um, probably nemesis, his disposal. Kick one goal, one should have kicked two. Um, goal assists, none, four score involvement. So, you know, not a huge game by Benny's standards. 322 metres gained. He was at 25 centre bounce attendances uh, for five clearances. Um yeah, oh, he's obviously being hampered a little bit, I reckon, and he might be a bit tired. I, I had him in our best three or four, though, still, think. I thought he played pretty well. He, he didn't quite start well, but I thought as the game went on, he just got better and better as the game went on. He he, he knows nothing but how to uh, how to try. That's all, that's all he does. Yeah. Now, I mentioned yeah, Raleigh O'Brien. Oh, sorry, game. go on, Nick. Go on, Nick, sorry. Solid game. Yeah, solid game. It was a solid game. Um, Riley O'Brien, I mentioned that he got towed up in ruck a bit, but how's this for a disposal sh- uh, a stat sheet? 23 disposals, 15 kicks and 8 handballs, 7 marks, um, 17 contested possessions, uh, only turned it over 3 times, 6 intercept possessions, took 7 marks, including 4 contested, um, 19 pressure acts, uh, got 5 clearances himself, Um yeah, uh, I just thought it was one of his... He's been in a good little vein of form the last... Probably since the bye, I reckon, around the ground. Yeah, I thought he got actually done in the ruck, but um, but uh, in the rest of the game, which is the majority of the game, um, yeah, he, he touted his opponent in that, that aspect of the game. He was, I thought he played very, very well on a field base. Yeah, we had an issue with... I had an issue with his marking around the ground because he weren't he wasn't clunking the contested marks until like that last five minutes of the last quarter. Then finally, he just thought, like there was the one where he got three in a row, um, and I think that was the the reach of the others that were just kind of putting him off a little bit. But you're right, that work around the ground, particularly some of the stuff he was doing in defence, where we've seen like against Melbourne when they caught him out. A little bit. I've seen an improvement there, which was good to see. Yep. 
Um, I won't go through too many other stats, um, but I'll just run some names by you and you can give me your impression. Tom, did A? Yeah, good game. Yeah, fairly solid. Um, they tried to isolate him a couple of times, a um, few little pushy things like this, but, you know, there was a, there was a do-day game. Look, some of his intercept marking is is uh, spectacular. The way he can <laughs> play we- so tall and, and uh, he takes the ball so high up um, in its arc is an. I reckon he's a better intercept marker than Lever, because Lever will yeah. come over the yeah. back to spoil, but Duday will float across the front of a pack and mark, and uh, uh, he's just special in that regard. Which is when I was saying before about Kelly, you know, the way we kind of think. I just kind of, oh, yeah, it was a Duday game, but you're right. Those and particular, and some of those when he comes back with the flight. You know, he doesn't care what's coming at him. Yeah. He's going to mark that ball or to really affect it. Yeah, no, he had a good game. Chase? No, yes, I'm best game he's played in club colours and starting to look like a genuine footballer. And um, that's not meant to be nasty, but uh, even when he first went into defence, he looked like he was sort of half doubting himself. He played uh, on the weekend as if he totally believed he belonged there and that he and it's his responsibility to get the game going from back there. I think he he might turn into a very, very good defender. Yeah, it, it was – for me, it wasn't just his defence because the problem I had when watching him in the SNF on defence, he was still giving too much space um, to his player. Um, he's tightened that up so much in the past couple of weeks in the AFL and – He's still then done it with his proactive, getting in front, getting the ball himself, intercepting as well. He's very much, as we've talked about, that brown type uh, defender who can take those very active small forwards um, and create a lot of positives for us out of that back half. And you could just see how much he could, he believes in himself and backs himself for what he could do. And there were a few spoils that he made it because he's got such incredible pace that the average player wouldn't have got there. And uh, uh, no, I, I was very, very pleased because I, I can finally see a footballer in him and that we're going to get something out of him. Well, I mean, the thing I think that uh, doesn't get mentioned is that he was on Bruce along with McPherson for um, most of the game. Um, you know, Hawthorne have a couple of dangerous small forwards. Bruce probably one of the most dangerous on his day. Uh, yep. And yet, didn't really have an impact. So uh, I thought Chase's game and McPherson's game actually. Uh, I yep. thought it was a bit of a welcome yep. return to form for um, McPherson. To be honest, have to agree. Have to agree. Um, Sloney, uh, as I said, he um, he did seem to be playing a little bit more forward. Uh, although, if you have a look at where his possessions uh, were got, it's the usual spots but I did see him coming off the front of the square a couple of times did you guys notice that um no I didn't I mean he still attended 23 centre bounces yeah I thought he was in the middle a lot um poor buggy he got right across his eyes by bloody O'Brien yeah right in that bloody eye again um, yeah. The thing of it is, he attended 23 centre bounces. He only got one centre clearance. And that's and the issue that we're having with Rory at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, but I think we've all been in agreement on that for many, many weeks now. Yeah, yeah. But why don't the clubs see that? 
Why don't the club see that? It, I think the problem they've got is um, he's the captain and they, they think he's it the leader. Shouldn't, and he shouldn't. It shouldn't make a scrap of difference. No, it shouldn't, but it seems to. Remember Hawthorne in their premiership years had a captain called Richie Vandenberg? I do remember him. He wasn't a great player. He was just a good, honest player. But yeah. he didn't have to. He didn't have to play in the middle to be a premiership captain. No, I, and yeah, I think it's just. I don't know whether it's uh, preserving Sloane's ego or what. But at the moment, he isn't justifying playing in the middle. Yeah, there's no place for it. No place for it. Um, I thought Brody Smith looked okay. Um, Hit up a couple of nice passes and that ridiculous goal that he kicked from sixty out—the oh. <laughs> snap! Um, what the hell? <laughs> that was just ridiculous. Um, you know, fourteen disposals at nearly eighty disposal efficiency is pretty good for him. Three contested at eleven uncontested. Um, score involvement seven score involvements, uh, which was good. Um, 420 metres gained, his uh, five inside 50s, four rebound 50s. Uh, so not a bad game from Brody. It was a bit more prominent, and I think that was because of that little swap that they did with Seedsman, to be honest. Yeah. I, I really liked how we used him. Um, of the rest, uh, Lockie Scholl, I reckon, as I said, looks a bit tired to me or, or carrying something. He doesn't seem to have any burst pace at all at the moment. He's got nothing. He's got nothing. He's got nothing to offer at the moment. It's, this is not the player that at the end of last year we got us so excited and uh, mm. the first half of this year got us so excited. Two rising star nominations, and which means he's got talent, he's got ability. Yeah. He's always showed courage in the past. He's always showed beautiful kicking. He's not showing any of that at the moment. There's something wrong with him, whether he's injured, whether he's just playing flat. I don't know what, but he's a shadow of the player he was. Almost ready to um, wrap him up for the year, Lockie Shaw. I would. I would definitely wrap him up for the year. He looks like he's playing sore. And, uh, yeah, uh, Vardy, I said that earlier too. I reckon he looks like he's got OP. Um, Darcy Fogarty, how did we see his game? He had 13 disposals, 8 and 5, so getting up there, 5 marks, 2 tackles, kicked 2 goals. One is such a beautiful set shot for goal. Um, 69% disposal of, uh, uh, efficiency. Importantly, 11 contested possessions, so he did get in amongst it a bit more. Um, 3 contested marks, um, what else here of any note? Four inside 50s. So just, to me, just seemed to be a little bit more involved than usual, Darcy. I thought it was one of his better games. He actually looked like he was interested in being involved in an all-game thing. And and when the ball was in the area, he looked like he was uh, wanted to be part of it all the time because generally you only see him three or four times for the game. But uh, I think he had 12 disposals. Was that right? And um, Yeah. He was around, and he was around the area for many others as well. And uh, yeah, I, I liked his game because it looked like he was interested in participating in it. Yeah, he actually really got did. real. Actually, got robbed of a couple of marks too. There was one in particular that he took on. Oh, the, yeah, the he got two of them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely robbed. Um, I really liked his game, but what I liked the most about it was the way that him Walker and Himmelberg worked together. Um, they were really creating good, that space. Really good point, Nick. Go on. Yeah, there was 
there was the one bit I'm trying to th- I think it was Keyes' mark that he had for his set shot, but the the vision from behind the goals, you actually saw Himmelberg and Walker and how they were creating space. They were both in the same area, but they were still being able to create space for each other. And then there was that one of the, the worm burner pass that he got from Lynch, and it was yeah. a double leap kind yeah. of that Fogarty did. So it was little things like that we saw from those three taller forwards, but especially from Fogg, I really enjoyed um, seeing that. He, he went a bit more quiet towards like the middle, but those couple of touches in that last quarter, those little handballs just or the little taps, the getting the body in, that's what helped us win the game. And that was great to see from Darcy. Our, our setup with the with the tools was much better up forward uh, this week. We had Himmelberg at times right up at the wing. We had Tex coming up at the ball, or we had Fogarty. They seemed to play that elastic band setup where you know one forward, one back sort of thing, and um, mixed it up a bit. I, I thought it looked far more dynamic. Um, assisted of, pardon me, assisted obviously by the fast ball movement um, and the and the switching and diagonals that we were using. So. But it just looked far more dynamic this week. Um, and, you know, that's where Elliot Himmelberg frustrates me so much because you've said this before, Nikki. he runs really good patterns, he's great at ground level, he's a good ruckman, if only he could take a few more marks. I mean, he took nine marks, Elliot Himmelberg, and looked okay, but at times, at times, he like the marks that he took... How many contested marks did he take? He had five contested marks, which is pretty reasonable. But he still didn't look convincing over his head to, for mine. How did you see it? Better than, uh, than I expected, I, I will say that. Um, because, um, like you said, Vini, uh, he's not that reliable overhead. I, I think, and it has been mentioned in the chat, you know, playing under the roof helps a lot because you don't get a lot of deviation from the breeze, etc. And maybe he was a lot more confident going for his marks. But he did actually have a good game and he did actually mark the ball well. And you're also quite right. My fear about the side being too tall was they'd all stand around in a clump, but they didn't. They they spaced themselves out pretty well. So, um, yeah, I, I thought he, he, got, he got a tip for his game. Whether he can repeat it, that's another question. The, the problem with Elliot and his marking is something my dad pointed out, um, which was that his arms used to be straight up by his ears with his hands flat and they needed to be at, what is it, 10 o'clock? And he started to do that again more. When we often find him that he's dropping the marks is when he's got his arms dead straight up and he yeah, can't the, take them there. The he can take it when he sees technique. it. Yeah. Yeah. He When he's got the ball in front of his hands, sometimes it's the double grab because he keeps his eye on the ball. And that's what he was doing with a couple of those contested grabs was it wasn't a clean one take, but because he can keep his eye on the ball, he can judge it quite well and he gets the, the second grab on it and, he, and he's and he got it. Um, that's where he's getting better at, and he's got to remember to do that, to keep his arms there. But you, you're right, he's, that's his one liability is that marking ability where he should be a lot better than what he is because he gets himself in – great positions, he creates space for his other teammates and he gets out of their bloody way as well. I think, look, I think he's uh, showing uh, a real capacity to be quite an attractive um, set of steak knives to the Matt Crouch uh, trade. Um, 
because there's no room for him in our side. Once Riley Thilthorpe comes on, there's no room for Elliot Himmelberg. And he's he's too good a player to be sitting in the twos. He'll want to go and play somewhere. And I think he'll end up uh, back up north, either playing with his brother or more likely at the Suns with Matt. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah. I think one of the reasons we're playing some of these players is to try, like Lynch and Himmelberg, is that maybe they won't be get, uh But no, Himmelberg got contracted, didn't he, Fee? Doesn't matter. But yeah, um, but if, I wouldn't be surprised if we did, put, uh, did trade him. I think we might package him up. Uh, you're right, he is contracted, but that doesn't really matter these days. Um, of He's the rest, going to agree to it. Yeah, but uh, his brother's up there, his family's up there. He'll be right. Um, Tex was a little bit quiet, but I thought um, had an impact on the game. Geordie Butts was his usual reliable self, although uh, at times struggled with Kaczynski. Um, he did. I thought he, I thought he... A bit out when you get bloody pushed in the back. Yeah, I know. There was one really bad one there. Yeah, and, and the commentators are like, oh, why did he try and take a slips catch? Because he got pushed, you dipshit. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that that was really made me very angry because they, that's exactly what they did say because he got the greatest shove in his back you've ever seen in your life and he went flying out. And uh, The umpire didn't say that. Anyhow, I did think at time he um, uh, gave him more, more problems than uh, some of the bigger names have. Yeah, well, I think Murray would have been the, the matchup on Kajitsky because Murray's got that great closing speed and, and tends to be able to get a fist in there. I think Geordie's better on the bigger forwards that rely more yeah. on their their uh, overhead marking. Yeah. So um, we saw yeah. a, a bit of the value of Murray by his absence, I think. Um, and the last one, just quickly, uh, Sam Berry. Uh, I just know, how many Senate bounces did Sam Berry attend? I don't uh, think he attended one. I thought he did one. Nope, none. Um, so we have we have played him predominantly as a forward all season, and that could be because of his tank. But when he's getting four possessions in a game, I don't see the point. No, I, well, you know, I think very um, is well, his development. It's been limited in some ways in the sense that he's playing very much the same as he did at the beginning of the year. But he hasn't been given very much opportunities at all to do anything more than what he's doing. No. no. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going on with that one, to be honest with you. He does. He, he has looked tired. Yeah. I don't know about that, Nick. Every time I've seen him up the ground, he's he's good below his feet, He uh, below his knees, I should say. Uh, he straight lines the ball. He, he can tackle. I, I simply don't know why he's not been allowed to be involved more. Um, I don't know whether he's gas rabbit. I don't know. But if he's gas, don't play him. We've got a couple of others in there that we could give a run to. Anyway, um, we've been going on forever. Any final thoughts, you guys? Well, uh, basically... We're not, we're, you know, we've got four, four matches to go. I don't don't believe we can... Actually, I don't believe we can win any of them, actually. Uh, well, so why did we bother winning this one? Well, that was, that was my whole point about the whole thing. Because yeah, yeah. the, the, way, the way North Melbourne are playing at the moment, we could, we could not beat them. We could not beat them. And the other three games, 
nobody's giving us a chance in them uh, anyhow. So I would be, look, I would say that any win from now is either a bonus or a liability, depending on which way you look, look at it. Agreed. Nick? Um, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much uh, in that boat. So it's, it's nice to actually get, we haven't had a win for a while, so it's nice for the players to get a win. Um, but I, I think we need to, if some of those players are tired or they've got carrying those little niggles, just rest them. We've got to get it right for next year because um, we're not in contention for the eight. Uh, so why why are they still playing them? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was a good four-quarter game. It was a bit of the shootout. Um Another thing that was kind of said in the chat was, you know, why don't we have a shootout more often? And my my reply was, because when we do against any other team, it's not getting our forward line ever. Um, so, although it's probably the only team we can have a shootout against and have a chance of actually getting it up forward. Um, so, as long as we still see that little development from those younger guys, particularly from Schoenberg, I, I think I've really liked to see his development. I th- and I think he'll probably round up the year quite well. Chilthorpe's got to come back in. I really want to see Peddler get a couple of games. Um, and for God's sake, please get Sloney out of the midfield. Put him out half forward. Put him on the half back I'm and willing, we'll be fine. I'm willing to yeah. bet you two uh, five bucks each that we'll see Matt Crouch back in the midfield next week. Uh, well, I'm not going to take the bet because I think you're right. Only, I'm only okay with that if we're doing it so that other clubs can see that he's fine over his injuries so we can trade him. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, look, thanks very much. It's been a slightly different wrap tonight uh, because we had that discussion, which I think was valid given the, the result and what it meant. Um, so thanks, everyone, who participated in the live studio chat. Uh, it was great to get some different opinions. Um, don't forget, of course... You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. You can see all our supporters there scrolling on the screen. We really, really appreciate everyone who supports us, not only financially, but also just by getting around us on the chat on game day and and during our uh, live stream. So fantastic, everyone. Uh, Stay safe. Hopefully we come out of lockdown on Tuesday night. And uh, in the meantime, Nikki and Macca, let's call it. <laughs> Evening all. Yeah, Stay safe. All. Mask yep. up. Night all. Do you do your bit for everybody else. Night. No.